Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. It's the first episode of 2020. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined by Jonathan for Douglas. So, um, have you wintered well, my friend? We're back. We're back. We're back with a bang. Welcome back uh, to everyone who has listened to us in the past, and hello to anyone who is listening to us for the very first time. Uh, Steve, hello, and thank you for that warm introduction. Uh, I have been wintering well. Although it's been a bit of a curious winter, hasn't it? With a lot of a lot of rain, games postponed in England a lot in the lower leagues, and and uh, we've got coronavirus to deal with now as well. So yeah, it's been a bit of a turbulent winter, I'd say. But uh, springtime is coming, and the new season in Norway and Sweden is but a few weeks away, and we are back for the 2020 series, season four of the Nordic Football Podcast. Yeah, season four. Yes, we've been going quite a long time now haven't we and uh by my word it just feels like yesterday since we uh, first got going but um i think this is about roughly ep- episode 60 so um yeah very much looking forward to another campaign with you jonathan and um yeah i mean to talk about winter i've um well i was nearly underwater here myself i'm hoping for a bit bit, bit dry in the next uh, few weeks and months uh, to get it back uh, to where it was so uh and yes, the season in Norway and Sweden just a month away. Looking forward to it. Yep. Well, you need to be careful up there in Yorkshire, Steve, because I've heard a, I've heard a few bad things about the floods down there up there. But uh, yeah, the new season is coming. Uh, we are kind of already pretty much clicking into gear slowly in Sweden with the return of the Svenska Kuppen, the Swedish Cup for 2020, which is we'll talk about shortly uh, on this podcast. We also will be bringing you discussions about uh, the. Fantasy, later seminary of fantasy, which revved into action this week. Steve, my man for fantasy, has put together a very nice video on YouTube, which you can also check out. Um, have a little look out for Nordic Football Podcast on YouTube and maybe subscribe to the channel uh, for that brilliant video, introductory video. We'll talk about that on this show. We're also going to be doing a uh, player in focus. We've done these in the previous shows and in previous seasons, and, and this year we're going to be looking at teams as we build up to the new season. We're going to be looking at some player analysis of players who are coming from one league to the other. So uh, we'll have a, an analysis of one of the players involved coming up. And we'll be also discussing a few transfers, uh, you know, our early thoughts in terms of this season uh, and a few other developments, managerial and that kind of thing. So strap yourself in and I hope you're looking forward to this. The original and number one podcast on Norwegian and Swedish football, the Nordic Football Podcast. But before we do that... Uh, as we always do at this time of the year, we do like to give just a little bit of background about ourselves. And uh, for those of you who, who may not know about us, who may be listening for the first time, uh, who may be wondering who we are or why the hell are we doing a podcast on Swedish and Norwegian football or what qualifies us to be bringing you this show. Obviously, the Nordic Football Podcast is brought to you by myself, uh, Jonathan Faduba, and, and Meat Man Soccer, Steve Wiss, who is a soccer and betting analyst uh, whose main leagues he covers are obviously Norway, the elite Serbian. Uh, he also covers France League 1 and 2, which is how we got to know each other many years ago, many moons ago now, Steve. And he also covers Major League Soccer in, in America. So a broad uh, palette he has there. But Norway is one of your main leagues, isn't it, Steve? And you've been covering it for quite a while now, in fact. Yeah, you know what? Um, when we uh, we talked about this uh, off-air, about the introductions, uh, 
I think yeah, I've worked back. I've, I've been basically a football analyst in some sort of capacity since, uh, well, 2006. So quite a long time ago. And def Norway was one of the first leagues that I did get into. Um, obviously, I'm for those who do know me, you'll be aware of my website, meetmansoccer.com. Strong links to, to French football, especially Ligue 2. Um, I'm kind of known for that. But the Norwegian league is one I've been part of for well over a decade you know talking on 15 years now back when it was called the tipper league and stuff like that so yeah otherwise uh yeah i'm based in england in yorkshire up north so uh, i'm sure quite a lot of you knew that already yeah it's so my fifth or sixth year in involved in podcasting um i used to have a podcast called all sports betting pod which is currently on hold maybe it'll come back one day again but um, Nordic Football Podcast is its fourth year, and uh, yeah, so very experienced now in, in the podcasting world. And uh, you know, that's a bit more about me. Uh, let's talk about you, Jonathan, and uh, Jonathan Fadugba or Fadugba, as I like to call you <laughs> with my northern accent, football consultant, writer, scout, and founder, and uh, editor of justfootball.com, which is a great website for those who. Uh, Want to take a look at it? I even did an article for you recently, didn't I, on there, which I very much enjoyed. So, um, yeah, take it away. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for that nice introduction there, Steve. Yeah, um, obviously, for those who, who aren't aware, um, similar to Steve, obviously, been working in in, uh, in the league for, for many years in, in the region. Uh, and my interest in Swedish football comes from from living out there. And uh, a few years ago now, I lived in, lived in Jotterburg, uh, a fine, fine city to which I long to return one day, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great place to, to, to live. And uh, I moved out there for, for various reasons around football. And obviously being out there, my, my love for the league grew. And I was watching games regularly, obviously uh, youth level and uh, first team level, uh, Super Etten as well, and really immersed myself in the leagues. And obviously being out there, I'd known Steve for, many a year in fact uh through our own previous links working together and we'd covered the french league together and i was out obviously in sweden and i knew of his fondness for norway and we we got talking and we'd been talking for a while uh, about the league and and the two leagues in general and we'd been having these long-winded discussions that hadn't we Steve, without a microphone basically so this podcast really long and short of it is an extension of those <laughs> is a recorded version of those conversations where we used to sort of sit there and I'd be in my house in, in Jotterburg and we'd be talking about these these random leagues and random players and you know asking each other for advice on players or opinions and um, the love kind of grew from there. Obviously Just Football, uh, just-football.com is, is um, kind of how I got into football. I uh, started a blog many years ago now, over a, over a decade ago um, and that grew very well. I, I sort of started, that's, that was my path into football really in terms of working in the industry, I started freelancing and that kind of thing and worked for a few years in, in various different roles, um, different magazines, that kind of thing, 442 and, and other places. And um, I suppose it all kind of grew from there. So that's just a short, I suppose, uh, summary, if I could say. Yeah, I say it's, a, it's very interesting. That, you know, you, you went out there, experienced the culture and you had a great time you i mean you had i know you had a great fondness for swedish football anyway but that really um you know from that moment on you've just been not well obsessed i suppose in, in a lot of ways with it i know you um and my my own self also keep um extensive databases of both these leagues and uh, it's fair to say now i mean i don't want to 
call you old or anything, but I look at you as a bit of a veteran analyst now, Jonathan, really, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people sort of, when I did, when I did move out there, uh, I remember a lot of people asking me why I'm going and many people kind of thought it was for the, for the women, I suppose. And, uh, I've always said no comment to that to that one, but it was for the love of love of the game as well. And in terms of you know the league, and it's a league that is quite close to my heart. I think, as we'll talk about maybe in the season preview podcast to come in a few weeks' time, it's a league that I think has a huge amount of youth talent. Um, 2015, I was at the uh, under 21 Euros covering it for for Just Football, where we're accredited by UEFA, uh, the website, and. Um, Sweden won the tournament, of course, under 21s, and and they've had a lot of youth talent for many years, and I think that is something that maybe we'll dwell on in the coming weeks in terms of the changes, because there does seem to be an ex- growing exodus earlier and earlier these days. Players tend to leave, you know, when they're 16, 17. Chelsea signed a player recently from from EFK Jotterberg, uh, who was around 15 or 16, I believe, and and players are leaving younger than ever before, which is a challenge for the strength of the league in, in terms of its spectacle for spectators. But um, yeah, there's no denying uh, I am a little bit, a bit bit of a veteran now. I've been preparing my uh, database for this season and uh, to be honest, it's really whet my appetite. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this uh, season, Steve. Yeah, me too. I've been, um, I've certainly been doing plenty of work in the background this winter, be fully ready for the, uh, the season. Um, like I say, very much seasoned, analysts now going forward so uh, we've got a lot to give and hopefully the uh, the listeners will will enjoy our stuff once more but um i mean moving on to uh sort of the next thing this particular year we are offering a service to clubs so anyone out there listening we know there's a lot of scouts and uh, representatives from clubs we, if you are interested in our services, then uh, you can drop us a DM or an email or anything like that. And um, we, uh, as I say, we look forward to collaborating with some uh, football clubs this year. We believe we've got the abilities to to make a difference to your club. So um, something else to look out for there, Ajon. Yes, this is a brand new service. Actually, we're talking about it exclusively for the first time here. So anyone who does have an inquiry please please do get in touch uh, you can email us nordicfootpod at gmail.com or, or drop us a dm and as you've mentioned steve we had a lot of really good feedback from clubs you, you mentioned that we we do have a lot of followers who were who are working at clubs uh, scouts as you mentioned that kind of thing and so yeah we're going to be opening up our services this year but we'll probably keep it fairly limited in terms of who we work with and we'll have more details about that maybe in the coming weeks and months but uh, for now, yes, if you have any inquiries on that side of things and you want to know more, um, as Steve has mentioned, we keep extensive databases. We've been covering the league for many years and and uh, have a unique insight into pretty much every single player in the leagues over the past you know, track record of five, five or six years. So get in touch if you'd like to discuss that in a bit more detail. Steve, just tell me before we crack on to looking ahead to 2020, why do you love this league? What, what attracts you to Norway? Uh, it can't just be the fjords. What do you feel differentiates this league? You know, in terms of when you when you consider it, and what do you like about it? Not just mm. this season, but in general. The, what I like about the league at the moment, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this because I was a strong advocate for it. That it's a non-VAR league, and <laughs> <laughs> look, 
I'm not. I don't even want to talk about VAR now. But I, having watched a lot of Liga and MLS stuff, at least when a goal goes in in Norway, it's a goal. You can celebrate it or whatever. You know what's happening. <laughs> so there's that part. It's what I like about the Norwegian league. It's very raw. You know, players generally are not cheating that much. You get a few foreigners that might try it, but by and large, you know, if a player goes down, they're injured. You know, there's not a lot of time wasting in that regard, play acting. There's a few exceptions as, as always, but, you know, also I love how, you know, you can get, you can still put a strong tackle in, in Norway and, and, and you might get a yellow card or nothing. When in some of the other leagues that I watch, you sent off and probably suspended for about three or four games. So look, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, you can complain about referees a bit and, and stuff like that, but there's a raw aspect to Norwegian football that I like. And I think the majority of teams like to have a go, like to entertain the fans and um, and try and score goals. So, yeah, for me, that is the main positives of the Norwegian league right now, even if the actual quality levels have gone down a bit. Well, I do have to say that, and I, having spoken to you many times over the last you know, few years, I never thought you would say that no VAR is the reason why you love it, because uh, we've had many a strong debate about VAR, and you've tended to always be on the positive side of it, and I've always tended to be a bit more negative. Um, so that is interesting, so very interesting to hear, in fact, Steve. Yeah, it's because, of all the other, it's because the other leagues I watch, apart from France League 2, are all VAR leagues, and look... I'm convinced done in the right way, like it is in America, for example, it's it's a positive. But the ball ache of VAR is that you, know, you can't celebrate a goal until you are kicking off at the halfway line. And I know this from a betting point of view, for example, if you want a goal, you know, you're always worried in case it's going to be chalked off for something. As soon as it, it, that ball hits the back of a net in Norway, you know within five seconds if it's going to be disallowed. So I like that aspect. You know, that was always my key point about VAR. Just it kills the emotion of the goal. You, you don't know what you're celebrating, and especially in the stands, if you're there in the stadium, like that's always been my number one issue with VAR. It kills that moment, which is the moment we all we all love in football, the purest moment there is. So yeah, I, I mean, I've always yeah. it's no VAR in Sweden either. I don't think. So I mean, you. I think at the moment it's probably right that both the leagues that we covered don't actually have that technology because I don't think those leagues are ready for it. They don't really need it yet. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Yeah. But, uh, so I think we'll leave VAR for one day. Uh, I think probably anyone who follows the Premier League has probably had had it onto their ears in VAR. So yeah. So Swedish football for you then? You've said there a little bit what um, you know your likes and loves of it, but is there anything else in particular about the Alsvenskan? that you uh, particularly adore? Yeah, I think it comes back to what, what you said. Um, I, I find it funny that you said about foreigners there, by the way. I was going to ask you, does that include English players in Norway? But um, your perspective of a foreigner, what is that? But but uh, but no, I think you touch on something there, which I do agree with. I think one of the things I really like about the Swedish league is I find it a very honest league in terms of, I think it's a very, it's a very pure league. Um, I think that comes from the fact that there's perhaps a lack of financial investment to the extent of the Premier League, for example, or you know other leagues around the world. It's not a financially lucrative league by any means, to be honest. That's a strength, I think, and also a weakness at times. But, um, you know, in terms of ability to retain players and maybe at times even crowds, it, you know, there's probably not that much star quality at times. But I do think it's a very pure league in that sense. 
I'll be honest and say that I, although I do love the league, I am a little bit worried about it in certain aspects. Two of them I want to just touch on very briefly. One of them is I am a little bit worried about the yeah the uh, the, the talent drain. Um, one of the things I do love about Swedish football and and the league it's, in general is it, it's a very good platform for young players, uh, which is something we've always emphasised on. Just footballs, really something we've been really strong on. Um, with things like the JF20, the our, our, our yearly series on youth football, looking at best players around the world, young players around the world, uh, and it's a reason I've always loved French football as well for the you know the young talent in there. Kamavinga, mm-hmm. Ren, a great example, uh, and I, that's one of the reasons I've always liked Sweden. And and, and Benjamin Negren was a, a, a solid topic on the podcast last year, and I think he was kind of a a microcosm of the situation in Sweden really in terms of young players and and how quickly they leave the league. He played half a season and, and left and has barely played since he moved to Genk. And uh, so it was something that kind of wound me up a little bit uh, at the time. And so that is a little bit of a, a worry, I think, in, in that sense. Can can Sweden continue to retain young players to the, to the level to get them playing and, and, you know, allow them to grow and blossom without them leaving after five minutes or 596 minutes in the case of Odilon Kosanu. Um, but yeah, that's a challenge. Uh, but one of the reasons I love the league for that for that youth element. And yeah, the second the second thing that I, I do love about the league and, and does give me a little bit of a cause for concern is if we look back to last season in, in Sweden, one of the greatest things I love about Swedish football is, although it's a smaller league in terms of fan numbers and, uh, you know, attendance figures, uh, you know, compared, compared to, say, England um, with the Championship or um, Premier League, which is two of the best attended leagues in world football, there is still a very strong fan culture in Swedish football uh, among the fans who attend. Teams like Hammarby, AIK, for example, Malmo, they have intense and passionate, loyal fans. You only have to look at Pontus Janssen's Twitter account, for example, uh, at the, the uh, Brentford player who is a, a diehard Malmo fan for that kind of that relationship between the player or the fan and the club, you know, there's a really strong bond that they have. But one of the things that worries me, and it did worry me a lot last season, was the ongoing rivalry between the, the police and and the fans. We always see Stephen, you know, uh, in Sweden, and uh, one of the most one of the most exciting things, and one of the most uh, one of its biggest qualities is is those those tifos. Isn't it though? You know the tifos and the flares and that kind of thing, and from the stands that they bring, firework displays, that kind of thing. And I think it's a unique element in in Swedish football. But they seem to really clamp down on it last season, and I think it's a bit of a worry for me that rivalry that they had between the police and the fans, and 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 the you know fans were banned from stadiums, sections were shut down last season, that kind of thing. It was a really long-going and a big talking point in Swedish football last year. And I think that is a little bit of a worry. It's one of the things I love about the league the most. You know, I think those those displays of passion you always see when you watch an advert on TV, for example, about the Premier League or leagues, don't you? They always use the fans and that kind of fan passion to sell the league, you know, as a product. But then obviously at times they, they also don't like it when it comes to um, TIFOs and things. I know there's a safety element, of course, that has to be kept in mind. But uh, hopefully they can find a balance between safety and also allowing that expression of, of fan culture. You know, the TIFOs, the flares, the flags, all of that is a big part of Swedish football. And I hope it continues so that we can grow the attendances rather than be closing sections down. Yeah, I certainly think there's positives for both leagues. And, you know, that's that's why we're, we're covering them, really. It's not just a simple case of we're, 
we're talking about league, these leagues because we have to. It's, we, we do like them. We do love them. So, um, yeah, there's, um, there's some good things about the league and obviously some concerns that we've got as well. I'm sure we'll talk about that as the season progresses. So, anyway, we don't want to ramble on too long, I guess, in this section. We're going to get stuck into the meat of it a bit more. And um, ooh, where are we going to start off then? Uh, let's... Uh, Let's just have a little talk about, well, Elitisarian Fantasy to start with. I, this is a bit of a self-plug, actually. I did a, um, a YouTube video on this um, just, a, well, back end of last week, um, about half an hour long. Initial uh, pre-season thoughts about uh, players, uh, did a first draft. And, uh, yeah, the reception's been pretty good, so thanks for that. And uh, there'll be more of those videos as the, the season progresses. But, uh, yeah, do take a look at our YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. Like the video. And um, keep your eye out for more there as uh, as the fantasy season um, goes into the main uh, start of April. And uh, I'm sure that team that I selected initially will, will change a bit. So uh, I know you had a little bit of a listen and a watch of that video, Jonathan. Uh, are you doing Elite Serian Fantasy this year? I will be, and I, I was very impressed with your video, Steve. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, as I, as I mentioned at the get-go of this show, get yourself on our YouTube channel, and you can have a little watch of that. We'll be bringing you plenty of analysis on our YouTube channel this season, which I'm quite excited about. Steve's been uh, giving me a few tutorials in terms of uh, those videos. So, you know, keep, keep your eye on that page because we're going to be growing it, and I've seen the subscriber counts going up. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed. Steve. You're the main man for Elitisarian Fantasy. I remember last year I ended up quite close to the relegation zone, having not checked my team for about 28 weeks uh, in Norway. But uh, it wasn't the case with you. You were up there challenging for the league title in fantasy, certainly in the Nordic Football Podcast League, and even in the wider league, I think, for quite a while. Um, you were picked in the end, but uh, you've put together a very nice little preview for this season. Let's just very briefly for those fans who maybe not who have not seen that yet tell us your early initial thoughts on fantasy in terms of maybe two or three players to watch and also any changes to the game or, or things to bear in mind for people who are listening who are going to be playing it this year and are very determined to improve on their performance last year or even playing for the first time and you're right by the way i did have a very strong 2019 i was uh ranked inside the top 230 in the whole game which is uh, no mean feat is it and uh, as i say in the elite serian fantasy league we have someone who finished in the top 10 overall i do believe so um yeah looking forward to it again and uh, look our first thing about the game is uh, i think it's much harder this year that the prices are there's quite a lot of expensive players you know and you know being a bit of a tight yorkshire i was cringing at some of these prices i'm like i don't want to fork out this amount of money for uh, guys i'm like bloody hell so uh, yeah i think it's gonna be much harder to create that, that so-called dream team and i know a few people have been commenting about this but you're gonna have to make sacrifices if you want some of these big dogs these big fish you're gonna have to say i'm gonna i'm gonna go with him or, and him and bin certain other ones i suppose it's a bit like premier league fantasy isn't it you can't have you know too many you can't have like your salas agueros de Bruyne's, whatever in the same team well if you are going to have them in the same team you're going to have literally going to have to have donkeys aren't you as your other players um but uh, certainly two players that i would recommend everyone having in their side is lecky james up front at Mulder. we had him on the podcast last year back end of the year with a great interview 
Uh, I'm 100% convinced he'll be the top scorer in the league for 2020 unless injury hits him. Um, you know, I could see him getting sort of even 20, 25 goals, really. And then I think the other guy to look out for is Nicholas Castro from Arlesund. Um By the way, Lecky James is 12 million. It's expensive, but he's well worth the fee. Nicholas Castro, 8.5 million, midfielder from Arlesund. And uh, he tore up the Obosle again last year. Chilean international. And, um, you know, this is a player that I think can go great places, may even move in the summer, but um, he's basically a striker or a really strong attacker and he's been listed as a midfielder in the game. So I, I think he's going to go really well. I'm excited for him. Yes, he's a step up to the new league. So uh, those two players right now are two I'm really looking at. And, you know, after that, I think it's really up for grabs. There's a lot of debate about what, top players you, you you want and which ones you're going to have to leave out. But for me, Lecky James is absolute must in your team. Good insight there. And don't forget, uh, we had a, an exclusive interview with Lecky James, the man himself, Steve's number one tip for Elite Serian Fantasy in 2020. He joined us on the podcast back end of 2019 in our one of our last shows. So if you get yourself on iTunes or Spotify uh, or Acast or however you consume uh, this pod, and look back through one or two episodes, we, we've had an exclusive interview with him after he won the league with, with Mulder. So have a little listen to that. And uh, yeah, he sounds like a must player for your team. Now, Steve, there's always one player who starts the game fairly undervalued uh, in terms of cost and then shoots up in price over two or three months. I remember last season, this time last year, Hakon Evian was the man that no one really talked about much in terms of fantasy. He was very reasonably priced for even a Yorkshireman like yourself. And I picked him up and I had him in my team from day one till the end of the season, which was one of the few good things I actually did all year in in, uh, in fantasy. Looking ahead at this season, is there a player that you look at with good value? I know you just mentioned one there, maybe an Arlison uh, player, newly promoted team. Is there anyone else that you look at and say, okay, at that price level, I'll, I'd be... I imagine he will, you know, rise by say 0.5 or one million uh, in the course of the season. You know what? Um, it's interesting you're talking about Budiglin because Jens Peter Hauger at 7.5 million, he could be the sort of the Evian of this year. Um, there's less of a secret because back end of last season, you know, he was doing the business on the field um, for Budiglin anyway after La Uni left, so. I know a lot of people had him had him in the, in the fantasy teams towards the back end of the year. So, yeah, he's not a complete um, a secret or anything. But seven point five million, I expected him to be a little bit more. I expected him to probably to be one at least one million more. So he's uh, someone I could see that price going up, and um, perhaps another one would be Yander Lanley at uh, Viking, uh, seven point five million. Another look, he's a fantastic player. If he can keep fit, he, he's moved to Rosenborg didn't really work out. But when he's actually in, in a good physical condition, then, um, yeah, he's, he's a brilliant player. And if they can just wrap him in cotton wood a little, little bit, then um, I would say he is one that could go up in price as well. So, yeah, a couple of prices there that you couldn't keep your eye on for value. And, um, you know, Maybe you could uh, have a look at... I'm sure you'll have a look at that game in the next few weeks uh, before the season starts, John. Oh, 100%. I'm going to be on it this year. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'll be 
keeping an eye on your YouTube videos, to be honest, and building my team with also, uh, there's also a few other good videos out there uh, that I've seen, and we'll be talking to some of those those people involved. And, um, you know, anyone who mm. who is involved, please drop us a tweet at, at Nordic Football and tell us who you think is an undervalued player uh, or maybe, you know, a must-have player for your team this season. I'd be interested to hear from others as well as as well as the meat man himself. There's a lot of interest in the least Serian fantasy at the moment. John, I must say, I think, uh, like you said, there's a, so a couple of very good channels out there. Uh, I heard of a new podcast coming out on uh, Elitisarian Fantasy, so we wish them all the best. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of interest, and um, I think it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, uh, okay, we're going to take a break now. Uh, after the interval, we're going to be talking about the Swedish Cup and how the Asvenskan teams are gearing up for the new season. We've got an in-depth player analysis on a new Rosenborg striker, Dino Islamovic, uh, to look forward to, uh, and a few other things uh, that we need to discuss. So uh, catch you after the break. Let's move on uh, to a bit of Swedish talk. And um, pre-season's obviously well underway. The Swedish Cup has been uh, in operation, which uh, I was talking to you off air. I think it's a great idea having a cup in the early stages, um, get teams match fit and everything, the proper competitive games. So, yeah, I mean, Swedish pre-season, what have you got to say about it so far, Ben, uh, John? Well, yeah, I think the first thing to say about it is it's obviously real football, isn't it, compared to, to fantasy? This is, the, this is the real action. Um, so, yeah, there's been real live games taking place in the last few weeks since February. Um, the group stages have just ended in the Swedish Cup. 32 teams and 32-team group stage. Obviously, preliminary rounds take place a lot earlier in the season. That's the format in, in Sweden. You have the early rounds in, in sort of August and May. Um, you get rid of a lot of the sort of lower league teams, perhaps, and then the ones who do well enough to get into the group stage um, make it through. So, yeah, there's uh, eight groups with four teams. And, yeah, there's been a few upsets along the way. I mean, it's kind of, as you mentioned there, it's pre-season. So, really, it's a mixture of kind of pre-season preparation, but also with a competitive edge to it. So, yeah, like you say, I think it is a pretty good idea, to be honest. Um, and obviously you get some teams who take it seriously and, and really gear up for the, you know, use it to gear up for the new season. And then you get some teams who don't really care and just use it to, to you know, like get match fitness. So there has been some shocks. A big shock was uh, Garden, who had been knocked out by Mialbi, uh losing on uh, just at the weekend, just gone uh, at home in Stockholm to Mialbi 2-1. Um, to, to basically go out of the, the cup. Uh, in their three games, they won one. Drew one and lost one, the champions of Sweden, uh, and drew against Sandviken, uh, a lowly team there, Sandviken's IF, who play in the third tier of uh, Swedish football. So that was a, a, a major shock to me. And uh, Jürgen, one of the teams, I mean, I think you're going to ask me in a minute, uh, you know, who's looking good and who isn't in pre-season. And Jürgen is certainly a team who are um, having a few teething problems in this pre-season. And uh, yes, of course, they won the Swedish Cup two seasons ago, so... Getting knocked out at the group stage in the first hurdle is not ideal, especially to, you know, 
a team, Miaobi, who's just been newly promoted. I mean, just briefly before I let you, I think you've got a question about it, but you're going to win probably the easiest group of any of the of any of the teams, really. Uh, maybe Barmalmo, who were in a fairly easy group as well. But your garden's group was Dalkurd, Sandvikens, and Mialbi, and they've they've failed to get through and only got four points. Yeah, I'm just looking at these groups now, and as, as you can imagine, I'm very excited about the Swedish Cup cups being my sort of thing, Jonathan. <laughs> anyway, so Mial Mialbi uh, have qualified. Uh, Malmo have uh, Hammerby, and it's going to be one of Aek. Or Kalmar from Group Four, Falkenberg they top uh, Group Five ahead of uh, Norshipping. Hecken they have a great record in this cup, don't they? They always seem to go well in it. They they're through um, uh, AFK Otterborg are, are there, and so are Elsborg. So you know, there's mostly big names left there, apart from Mialbi and um, you know these teams. You know, once you're in that quarterfinal stage, it's quite serious, isn't it? And um, it's certainly worth its weight in gold because you get to qualify for the Europa League if you win the competition. Yep, um, Beko Hacken are the holders, in fact. So, yeah, they're looking looking good and they had a, a big win today against uh, Ostersunds. It was a, one of the bigger, you know, games uh, in that sense. You know, obviously, two, two uh, Ostersunds game rivals. I'll be honest to say, I haven't seen many of the games, but uh, I was out in Sweden to see the preparations of Ostersunds and uh, and uh, Bromma Poikina, which I think you'll, you know, you'll talk about. You might ask me about that. But yeah, Elspor got through uh, with an 88th minute goal. Marocchi and Dioni, a player I've said to look out for for many a time. Uh, a few years now, I've been talking about him. Uh, but yeah, he's he's put them through. So yeah, we've uh, the draw will be tomorrow for the, the last eight. And yeah, it could be some interesting ties there because obviously you've got, as you say, Elspor, you've got EF Core, you've got Hacken, it could be a, maybe a Gothenburg derby there. Falkenberg have done extremely well to get through and then we'll be keeping a close eye on them having interviewed their manager at the back end of last season, Hassa Eklund, which again, as I mentioned, you can go back and listen to. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting last eight tie. I would have the favourites at the moment as Hammerby, just because they're looking extremely good in pre-season. And I think, uh, you know, although we're not doing a season preview on this show, we'll be bringing that in a few weeks' time, but uh, they certainly look like they're going strong and could be really strong contenders this season on all fronts. I'm interested here to. I was going to ask you, saying who's looking good in pre-season. So you already said that Hammerby. Um, what about Malmo? They actually won a match eight nil in this uh, Swedish Cup. So um, I mean, for me, they they also look like the standout team, along with perhaps Hecken. Um, but Hammerby, I know, have definitely caught your eye in this pre-season. Um, anyone else? Well, you say that about Malmo. I'm not. I'm not. I would. I'd probably beg to differ on that one. Um, <clears throat> very, very average against Wolfsburg in the second leg. They were dominated in the Europa League. And uh, I think there is a little bit of work to do there at Malmo, to be honest. Um, although they battered, you know, a teammate nil, it was Syrianska, who were, you know, a pretty dreadful team all round, if I'm honest. Uh, they, they, they are a poor side, uh, especially when they're not inspired. You know, AFC Eskostuna beat them 6-1 as well. So that tells you a little bit about them. But yeah, uh, Malmo... I think they're a work in progress, really, under the new manager, of course. We'll talk about them. I don't want to talk too much about the teams in deep at the moment, but obviously, Yondal Thomason is their new new manager, which is a nice little Scandinavian tie there. Uh, former AC Milan striker, of course, uh, and Danish international. Uh, he's the man in charge now, of, of, of taking over from Uwe Rosler. And, um, yeah, they've, they've shown a few teething problems. They did obviously beat 
AC Husky Stuna recently, 3-0. But it was a fairly easy group, uh, which they've come through uh, unscathed. But yeah, I'm very impressed with Hammerby at the moment. <clears throat> I think the teams that have a work, a lot of work to do with three or four weeks left of the season. I would say Dual Garden have a lot of work to do. They've lost some key players, including their captain, Marcus Danielson, and uh, Mohamed Bouyatouré, of course, who, who's gone back on his loan spell. I think they're two of their best players, basically. So they, they are going to have some question marks in terms of retaining the title. Obviously, the transfer window is still open, so uh, there'll be a lot of business to be done. But uh, I think they are maybe in a bit of a state of flux right now. AIK as well. They're Stockholm neighbours. I think they're in a state of flux, not massively up on their squad at the moment. I think they've got a lot of work to do to prepare themselves for 2020. Um, there was a talk of a regeneration of that squad, and I still think it needs completing. I don't think it's complete yet. But yeah, and, and obviously North Shopping have had a few sort of shock uh, results getting knocked out of the Swedish Cup as well. So they are in a little bit of maybe, you know, uh, stasis as well. So... A lot of work to do for a lot of teams, but uh, Hammerby, I would say at the moment, are the team that look best equipped right now in in their overall ability. They're, they're frightening teams, um, and they did frighten teams in this cup run, scoring goals for fun as they as they tend to do. Yeah, just I was going to ask you about teams that you're a bit worried for at the moment, but um, I know we're not going to even be talking about them this season. But very dark times for Gift Sundsvall, perhaps who finished bottom of their group. Um, but for the two new promoted sides, obviously fantastic for Mialvi. I mean, I know we're going to talk about them as the season uh, unfolds, but uh, early early signs very promising. And Varberg boys, um, they were competitive in their group, although haven't we given them a good beating. But in terms of concerns at uh, the moment, would you say perhaps serious are one to be worried about? Um, I think it's too early to look at the relegation zone, if I'm honest. I think you can't draw much conclusions from the cup. Um Obviously, they drew with they drew with the uh, EF Core, um, but EF Core squad is kind of lacking at the moment. They're still they've still got a few holes in their squad which will need to be plugged. But I think, like I say, it's very hard to draw conclusions at this stage because you do have teams, like I say, at different stages of their recruitment, of their of their development, of their transfer window, of their preseason. Uh, a lot of teams go off to sort of you know Mallorca and that kind of thing, the Algarve, and have little preseason mini tournaments. There's still preseason games to come <clears throat> after these rounds, so. It is very hard to draw overall overall conclusions. I think, obviously, since far we will miss them. I, I was doing updating my databases, uh, you know, in the last few weeks, and I will miss Gift since well actually having to you know having to ignore them on the old on the documents. They yeah, it was a, it's a shame to be losing them. Um, I always enjoyed them as a squad, and a lot of their players have sort of moved on. Um, of course, David Batanero, I think has, has has moved on to Mialbi. So a few of them have kept their Allsvenskan status just with different clubs. But, um, yeah, I don't think you can draw too many conclusions for now, so I wouldn't want to comment on Sirius for a few more weeks, to be honest. It is very uh, early uh, days in, indeed. So, um, now, talking of Sweden, I, I do believe you had a an extensive trip up there um, in the off-season to Stockholm, and uh, I know you want to talk about it a little bit. Do I? Well, you know, I mean, uh, I suppose briefly, yeah, I want to touch on it and just say, <clears throat> I went out to visit, uh, yeah, Bromo Poikin, actually. I managed to catch a pre-season game uh, against Ossersons. Obviously, with Ian Birchnell out there as well, the two two former colleagues, uh, Sean Constable and Ian Birchnell. Um, and, yeah, it was really good to sort of get a look behind the scenes at, at Bromo Poikin, a, 
I didn't really uh, talk too much about it yet, but um, yeah, I posted, I think, of, uh, an update on Twitter, but that was about it, really. But it was a really fruitful few days. I got to see behind the scenes that, that obviously Brummer have gone down from the Elfpen scan to the third tier to back-to-back relegations. But I was really impressed with their facility, Steve. I have to be honest, it's a really nice setup they have. And, you know, they're, they're not a third-tier squad in any way, to be honest, uh, in terms of the work they're doing and, and the um, the level of the club, you know, their youth department. Uh, it's a really impressive club in that sense. Uh, really, really strong youth facilities. So many players have gone from Bomapoikin to big things. The most recent example being Dejan Kuzulevsky, who's um, obviously recently completed a move to Juventus for, uh, from Parma. So, and he was he's a BP alumni. But yeah, it was really, really nice to spend a few days there and obviously meet Sean and, and uh, catch up with Ian as well at the game. So yeah, it was a nice little trip, Steve. You you were missed. Could have uh, could have joined us for a beer. Uh, I'm a bit of a Dennis Burkamp these days. I don't like to fly, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially yeah, at the moment, I don't think I'll be looking to go anywhere too far with this coronavirus going around. But um, you like the the old stadium there, don't you, at Bromapoikana? And I know you showed me some pictures of it, and um, definitely looked like my sort of venue, I must say. Yeah, it's really compact, but it's uh, very nice, actually. Um, it looks a lot better, you know, live than it does on the TV, I have to be honest. The stadium looks a bit dead at times on, on TV. But, uh, yeah, it's got a really nice feel to it, quite compact. Um, the facilities around it as well, there's a whole complex there. Um, you know, they've got the analysis room and, you know, they've got loads of different sections of the, there. It's a really nicely run club. Obviously, they have the women's teams uh, there as well and the youth teams. They've got, they've got tons of youth teams all around that area of the of, of Stockholm uh, that play games and they, they managed to bring them in. So, yeah, it's a really tight-knit setup. But um, one of the funny things, I thought one of the quirky things, I don't know if uh, she won't be too happy with me saying this, but uh, there was a bit of graffiti on one of the walls in the uh, stadium, which a cheeky AIK fan has managed to get in and graffiti AIK on one of the walls at the stadium. So uh, <clears throat> I did point it out to, to Sean. I don't know if they'll have painted it off by now, but uh, yeah, I did find that quite quite cheeky of an AIK fan. But obviously, Stockholm with so many teams there, it's a, you know, it's a footballing hub, really. Um, but it was a really, really nice trip. And obviously, I have to thank Sean for being so welcoming and inviting uh, to show me the club, really, and behind the scenes and watching them train and stuff. So thanks to Sean. And yeah, good luck to Borovoikin in the season. Another team we won't be really covering in that much detail, but we'll, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on them, won't we, Steve? Yeah, I absolutely hope, wish them all the best. And there's no doubt in my mind, Sean Constable is a man to bring them uh, back up again. A uh, fantastic coach. And I think he um, he's a good fit there for the, uh, in, in Stockholm. And um, yeah, Bruma Poikin, watch out for them making a rise in the next couple of years. That is my prediction. Yeah, it will be expected, especially with the the, the budget there. In terms of the third tier, they will be expected to go back up and... They had some tough games in the in the Swedish Cup, obviously playing Hammarby. I know Sean thought of that as a huge experience, you know, playing such a big club like Hammarby at home. Um, they lost that game 2-0, but from what I understand, they put in a really good effort there against a, a strong side. Uh, and then they had Varberg boys and, and Gifsundsvall. Finished third in the group, but obviously Hammarby way too strong in that group and, and, and went through. Moving on to former Ostersunds, former Ostersunds member of coaching staff to a former Ostersunds player. Because we're going to talk about the very first player in focus of this new 2020 season, aren't we, Steve? And uh, we're going to begin with a player who 
will be straddling both leagues. Uh, he's moving, bridging the gap from uh, Sweden to Norway in very nice, very nicely on brand for the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, and that is Dino Islamovic, who has completed a move from Ostersunds to Rosenborg, who, having won four titles in a row, are now competitors only, and uh, they're not champions anymore. Mulder, of course, winning the league. But uh, it's, it's the re, it's the reback, it's the it's the re-up for for Rosenborg, really, isn't it? It's their chance to bounce back now. This season, they'll be looking to, you know, reclaim their crown. And they've uh, brought in a Swedish sporting director, I believe. And with that, they've brought in a Swedish, uh, well, a player from Allsvenskan and Dino Zanovic. Now, Steve, you are the man who's been doing a little bit of looking into this player for our first player in focus of the new season. What is your insight on this player and what are your general thoughts? I've got thoughts too, having watched him. But firstly, I want to get your perspective on it. Yeah, I thought um, this was a good player to choose because, uh, you know, uh, I know quite a lot about him now you know a lot about him so it's a good one to discuss and um the first thing i've got to say is i was looking at potential big transfers into the league and sadly there's not many um reasonable actually paid a fee for him over four hundred thousand pounds which is unusual in itself as obviously most of the money into this league is on on players leaving the league rather than uh teams signing anyone so yeah, four hundred thousand is uh, decent whack, isn't it? In 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 the uh, elitisarian, and I've been looking at this player in detail on Y Scout, who, by the way, we are once again associated with in in twenty twenty, the leading company for professionals, football professionals. They provide a world of data and videos available online, and they recently partnered with Huddle, a huge company based in the USA, who provide tools coaches and athletes so um uh, a privilege uh, and a pleasure to be associated with Scout again i'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more detail at some point but um yeah that's using Scout data and look, i'll be honest with you i'm concerned about islamovic if rosenborg think this is their striker who's gonna score them 20 plus goals a year or even get anywhere near to 20 goals then i think they can they're gonna have to reconsider because my, my main problem with him is his, his actual position on the field. Is he an out-and-out out, out and out number nine striker? And in my personal opinion, he's not. Um, maybe he could adapt into that role, but I think he'd be better off suited in a front two system with him being a bit deeper. So, Roosevelt are going to be in a 4-3-3 formation, as far as I'm aware, unless Isaac Cornland's going to try and change things again. I doubt it. So, basically, that 4-3-3 system... I'm going to compare him a bit to Alexander Sutherland from last year. And the big difference in comparison is shots on target. Islamovic at Ostersund last year, just 32.2% of shots on target from him, which for me is quite low. I mean, you know, it's nearly Patrick Bamford level, isn't it? So, <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking, is that a bit of an anomaly? Because they were a poor season, poor team last year, weren't they? Uh, fairly, well, certainly second half of it. But in 2018, when you know, he did have a reasonably good year, just 37% of his shots on target there, which is not that high, is it? If we look at expected goals, 7.52 expected goals last year, and he only scored seven. So look, it's not disastrously bad, is it? But it's nothing special. Uh, it's not. You would, it doesn't give the impression to me of this sort of clinical finisher. I'm, like compared to. Sutherland, for example, 44% of his shots were on target last year. 
I just don't see him necessarily as an upgrade. He's going to bring different qualities to the team. For example, his dribbling success rate is close to the 50% mark, which is a lot better than what Sutherland was. He is very good in the air. He wins, again, nearly 50% of his aerial duels. And, and obviously, he seems more of a physical unit than Sutherland in that way. I could see him scoring quite a few headers in, in Norwegian League, to be honest, just over-muscling and overpowering defenders in that respect. But he's an interesting mix because he seems quite a good technical player as well. You know, with the dribbling, he's got a good pass rate to him. But honestly, he feels to me more like a number 10 than a number 9 or a sort of a player in between a 10 and a 9, if you know what I mean, John. I just don't see him as that sort of leading the line type striker, number 9, which surely a team like Rutenborg need. Well, it's an interesting it's an interesting prospect you, you've mentioned there. I mean, just for a bit of an overview for those who, who may not know Dino Zlovich, of course, and may, may never have heard of this guy. Uh, he's a 26-year-old striker. He's born in Sweden. Uh, there's been a recent sort of um, to and fro on the international level because he, he's recently changed uh, allegiances. He did earn a first cap for Sweden under Jan Andersson, the Swedish manager, but he's recently switched allegiances. And obviously having left Sweden and Swedish football, he's decided to switch his national team as well. And he's decided he will play for Montenegro. That's gone through now. That's been declared. Uh, he, he said publicly that he, he feels he's got a greater chance of playing Montenegro, the national team. And then he, he said he had a cordial and open discussion with um, with Jan Anderson and, and just made it clear that he wants to represent Montenegro from now on. So this is the Montenegro, uh, well, we expect he'll be a Montenegro international going forward. Um, despite representing Sweden at youth level and uh, for one cap. But uh, yeah, he's a 26-year-old striker, six foot three inches. We talked about him quite a lot on last year's podcast, especially around the uh, summertime. We had a, uh, you mentioned there as well, Steve, we have our partnership with Scout, and uh, we write for them as well. We have, we have a column on Scout, which you can check out. And uh, we mentioned Islamovic on one of the columns in the summer because there were strong links with Championship teams in England, Leeds United, uh, your team there, Steve. Uh, Nottingham Forest, I think, were linked. Middlesbrough as well was strongly linked. And I think those links were confirmed unofficially. Um, you know, contacts that we have and that kind of thing. And I think there was a lot of rumours. They never went through in the end. Um, there was a feeling that a lot of scouts went to watch him around the time of of, uh, of those rumours. And, and he failed to impress a little bit. I think that maybe is an indicator. You know, maybe he's, is he quite at that? Is he quite at that level uh, for championship football? And uh, I guess the verdict from those clubs that scouted him was was no. Uh, and so he, he remained at Ostersunds. And I think I do think that affected him a little bit, to be honest, because I think he I think it turned his head. And I think he wasn't as good in the second half of the season as he was in the first half of the season, if I'm being honest, from what I saw. Now, whether that's because of a mental factor or physical or for whatever reason, he just dipped a little bit, but um, this is a player who obviously he spent a lot of time in in uh, Dutch football, played for Groningen uh, for two seasons. Uh, he was also at Fulham as a youth player, so he does have a little bit of pedigree, uh, as you mentioned, Stephen. You've done the numbers there, which was very interesting to hear. I mean, is this a player that you'd you'd put in your in your fantasy team for one? And um, you know what what's your overall outlook for him? Because you know, from my point of view, I do think Rosenborg have a striker there who can make an impact. But is he at the level of, say, an Adek Benro or a Bentner? I'm, I think the jury's out on that one. And I wouldn't be 
hanging my entire hat in terms of title hopes on him. I think he has the potential to sort of perform and, and go on a really strong run. But I'm not entirely sure that, like I say, you'd hang your hat on him and guarantee it. So that will be a big uh, talking point, I think, for Rosenborg this season. Can he do it? Can he carry the hopes uh, of the club on his shoulders? Your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, well, he's 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 certainly expensive. Um, he's ten and a half million. He's the fourth most expensive striker in the game. So um, I'm sure a lot of fantasy listeners are, are interested in our thoughts on him. And one thing I will say is, and this is a positive, he's going from a um, a poor side in in Austria, a, a fairly poor side, and. Um, you know, Rosenborg outfit is going to be uh, a lot more chances coming his way, isn't they? But is he going to be in the position to take them? Because I give you an example compared to Soderlund, touches in the box, average touches in the box per 90 minutes, just 2.58 as opposed to Soderlund, who was 3.54. Now, he's got, for me, changed his game at Rosenborg. He's got to become that number nine type striker fully. They don't need him to sit deep. They've got the midfielders for that. So I'm very, going to be very interested to watch him, certainly on a positional sense, whether he's going to do that. I mentioned the shots on target, and he, he tends to he's, he shoot from quite a lot of times outside the box. Now, that is not going to cut it at Rosenborg. He, he needs to be inside the box and, and converting the chances. So that's, if he can change his game to be that, then, yeah, I could see him going quite well because, as I say, the opportunities will fall his way. He's looks like he's very strong in the air and that's going to be his big positive for Rosenborg going forward. But, um, you know, a lot of his goals are purely left-footed. He's not a Savo Milosevic, is he? You know, things like that. So I've got concerns about him, uh, to be honest. I think the jury is very much out. My gut feeling is that he's going to, he's going to flop. Well, that's a big call there. And it will remain to be seen, I suppose. Uh, but yes, I suppose that's the verdict on him from, from you. Any Rosenborg fans would be would be very keen to hear your your opinions on that new striker. Um, will he be a flop? Will he be a, a big performer for for Rosenborg? Can he carry their hopes? Uh, it will remain to be seen. And Dino Zamovic is the first of many players we'll be looking at as a player in focus on the Nordic Football Podcast in 2020 season to come. We are planning for our preseason shows to come in the in the next few weeks, so stay tuned for those and subscribe to be notified. Uh, of them and of course you can follow us on twitter at nordic footpod give us your thoughts on uh, islamovic as, as a player uh rosenborg fans and and um anyone else uh Osterson's fans as well of course and uh yeah and also you can check us out on facebook nordic football podcast or on our youtube channel Steve, we're going to wrap things up now um what are your closing thoughts on this pod this was just a kind of preview show about what's to what you can expect in 2020 but do you have any sort of closing thoughts before we move on yeah, you know, um, say looking forward to the season very much and um, hope um, that was an insight into what we can offer this year. You know, we've got some great team and player analysis um, sort of lined up for, for the year. So um, keep it here on Nordic Football Podcast for that. And uh, before we go, I just want to uh, quickly mention uh, an article that um, we were involved in. Uh, it's called The 94th Minute and it's a great blog site. Um if you follow them on Twitter, it's, um, I say, it's some fantastic stuff on there. And it's called the Starting Eleven series, uh, where uh, they've asked a lot of questions. And at the end, we pick our favourite 11 
and the reasons for it. And I did most of the, uh, well, I did all of the uh, the, the selection for the uh, eleven. It turned out into an interesting team. Um, but yeah, well worth um, giving this ninety-fourth minute blog um, a follow on Twitter and also a read of the uh, article they did with us. In fact, actually, we're involved in a Twitter poll actually. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, they're comparing all these starting 11s and I think we're currently leading our group in the poll that the people are voting for. So, yeah, give that a um, uh, blog a, a really good follow. Yeah, and we're off now. That's the end of this first show of 2020. Thank you for joining us. Any questions you have, give us a tweet or a post on Facebook or, or uh, an email even, more traditional if you like. You can send us a letter, but uh, we don't have a registered address, so uh, I'm afraid we... That's probably out of the question. But uh, yeah, we're off now. And um, before we go, I just got a little uh, tidbit of information that you may enjoy. Just a demonstration of the fan culture in Sweden, the sort of sense of humour from the stands to be found at uh, the Malmo AFC Eskilstuna game over the weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, the fan culture was a, a banner which read, of course, the history with uh, Malmo and obviously AFC Eskilstuna, perhaps the most hated club in uh, in Sweden, arguably. There was a banner that said, from the held from the stands, which read, we'd rather have coronavirus than AFC Eskilstuna. Long live the 51% rule. So a little bit of uh, comedy there from the Malmo fans. Um, and it said, from Hoffenheim to Eskilstuna, when will modern football stop infecting our game? So scathing comments against the AFC Eskilstuna there from the Malmo fans, but... Uh, a little bit of an insight into the humour, I suppose, at times that comes from the stadium and that strong fan culture that we mentioned and, and um, something we hope to keep in 2020. So it's been a great show and it's great to be back. Um, as I mentioned, my name is Jonathan Faduba. You can catch me on at Football on, on Twitter and you can catch my colleague Steve Wiss at Meatman Soccer. We're off now to carry on preparing for the new season. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.